again, I want to welcome everyone who's here this morning, and also we're thankful for those who are tuning in online this morning. Uh, I want to encourage everyone to, to uh, take notes on the things that we discussed this morning. Don't ever take my word for it or any man's word for the word of God. Make sure it's God's word that we're teaching. Nothing more than that and nothing less than that. If you would open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. We want to begin by reading verses 14 and 15. 1 Timothy 3 verses 14 and 15. Paul says, These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Paul tells us something very important in verse 15 of this text. The church is the pillar and ground of the truth. The word translated pillar means a column supporting the weight of a building. The word translated ground means a support or bulwark or a stay. The church then is to be the foundation and the support of the truth. We are to teach the truth. We are to practice the truth. We are to uphold the truth. We are to support the truth. We are to defend the truth. We are to demonstrate to others how God wants us to be. There can be no compromising or changing of the truth. We are to maintain the doctrines of the faith both by our teaching and by our practice. When we think about the church being the pillar and ground of the truth, we have a very serious responsibility. The truth is that by which man is made free from his sins. John 8 and verse 32, Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Nothing else can save us. It must be the truth, nothing more and nothing less. The truth is something that every one of us needs because all of us are sinners. In Romans 3 and verse 23, Paul says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In Galatians 3 and verse 22, he says, But the scripture has confined all under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. What then is the truth? Jesus answers that question in John chapter 17 when he prays to his Father and he says in verse 17, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. We want to know what the Bible means when it talks about truth. It means the word of God. The truth is God's word. David wrote in Psalm 19 in verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. 
The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Since all of us have sinned, all of us fall short of the glory of God, we must have the truth in order to be forgiven of our sins. It is by obeying that truth, obeying God's word, that we are set free from our, from our sins. When we obey the truth, when we obey what God tells us to do, in doing that, we purify our souls. Peter writes in 1 Peter 1, verses 22 and 23, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Peter says we purify our souls by obeying the truth. And in that process, he says we are born again according to the words of God. Paul says in Romans 1 and verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Are you ashamed of the gospel of Christ? Paul said, I'm not ashamed of it. It is the power of God to save those who believe, whether Jews or Greeks. But in order for the truth to save us, it must be obeyed. James writes in James 1 and verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. The wise man Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is man's all. The old King James says, this is the whole duty of man. In Matthew 7 and verse 21, Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So how did God get the truth, his word, down to us, human beings. Well, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. The Bible tells us that God sent His own Son to bring us His Word. John chapter 1 and verse 17 says, For the law, the law of Moses, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came from God to man through Jesus Christ. Jesus was faithful to give us God's word exactly as God gave it to him. Turn over to chapter 7 of John. John chapter 7 and verse 16. Jesus answered and said, Answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his, his who sent me. Jesus said, This is not my doctrine. This is not my words. These are the words of him who sent me. Look at chapter 8 in verse 26. 
In that verse, Jesus says, he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. Jesus didn't give us his ideas. He didn't give us his opinions. He gave us the words that came from Almighty God, his Father. His willingness to die on the cross proved without a doubt that Jesus came to do God's will and to bring God's word to mankind. Look two verses later. John 8, verse 28. And Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father taught me, I speak these things. Jesus did not dare to take it upon Himself to tell us things that did not come from God. When Jesus brought God's word to us, he brought us exactly what we need for everlasting life. Only the truth, only God's word can set us free from sin. Go a little further in John, chapter 12. John chapter 12, verses 49 and 50. Jesus says, I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father told me, so I speak. Jesus was extremely careful to tell us only what God told him to tell us. He would not add anything to it. He would not leave any of it out. He would not change it in any way. And brethren, we should not either. We must not change God's word one iota, not in any way. Before Jesus came to this earth, God had spoken to mankind in a lot of different ways, but he had never revealed his divine plan whereby men could be saved eternally. God had never revealed that before Christ came. Under the old law given through Moses, the priest had to make annual sacrifices for sins. But those sins could never take away the sins of the people. Hebrews 10, verse 4 and verse 11. They could offer them millions of times, but they would never take away the sins of man. Hebrews 10, verse 3 says, in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. Only the blood of Jesus can take away sins. 1 Peter 1 and verse 19. Now turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Notice with me verses 1 and 2 of Hebrews chapter 1. God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. And that's talking about the Old Testament has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, 
whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. We're living in the last days now. Since Jesus came and brought us God's message, these are the last days. Look at Hebrews chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels was steadfast, again in the Old Testament, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. The plan of salvation for eternal life was first given by Jesus Christ. It was confirmed by the miracles that he did as he revealed those things to the apostles. God's eternal plan of salvation had never been given before. It was first spoken by the Lord, as we see here in these four verses. Jesus was proven to be the Son of God by the miracles that he performed, Acts 2, in verse 22, especially by his resurrection from the dead, Romans 1, in verse 4. Now then turn to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. And notice with me verses 30 and 31. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Now then turn back to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Jesus taught and trained his disciples for some three and a half years. Near the end of that time, notice what he said of them in John 16, verses 12 and 13. He said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he, listen to this, he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Jesus was so careful to only reveal to man what God told him. And the Holy Spirit does likewise. He's going to be extremely careful not to say anything except what God had told him. Can you see a pattern developing there? The Holy Spirit, just like Jesus, would not speak on his own authority, but he would reveal God's word explicitly, exactly the way God revealed it to him. Now then, the apostles were to speak the words of God, again, without any additions, without any subtractions, just like Jesus, and just like the Holy Spirit. And when they did that, 
Jesus said to his apostles in Matthew 10 and verse 40, He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. The only way that we can receive God is to receive the words of the apostles that came through the Holy Spirit, that came through Jesus from God himself. Not only were the apostles guided into all the truth, but they also were endued with power, miraculous power, in order to confirm that the word they spoke did indeed come from God. Hebrews 2 and verse 4, as we noted. They were able to cast out demons. They were able to speak languages that they had never learned or studied. If they were bitten by poisonous snakes, they were not harmed. And they were able to heal all kinds of illnesses. Mark 16, verses 17 and 18. Mark 16, verse 20, tells us that they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. And so these apostles were guided into all the truth that had been handed down from God to his Son, to the Holy Spirit, and to them. And they have been recorded for us in the pages of the New Testament. Paul writes in Ephesians 3, verses 3 and 4, that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Why did God want them to write it down? So we can understand, as one old preacher said, by perspiration, what they knew by inspiration. When we read the Word of God, we know what they knew by inspiration. The Bible is not just some good book. The Bible is the Word of God. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 13, for this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as in, it is in truth, the word of God, which effectively works in you who believe. When we receive God's word, we need to recognize it is the Word of God. It's not man's Word. It's God's Word. It is the only thing that can save any of us. When they spoke, and when they wrote, it was the words of God. When we speak as God's children, when we speak as the church, we must be the pillar and ground of the truth. We must tell people exactly what God says, nothing more and nothing less. The scriptures are inspired. 
2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. Paul says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's all we need. It's the message that we must have because it is God's power to save, Romans 1 and verse 16. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 21, For since in the wisdom of God the world through wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. No one can be saved without hearing the truth, which is God's word. 1 Timothy 2 and verse 4 tells us that God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Not to the knowledge of what I think, not to the knowledge of my opinion, the knowledge of the truth. In Mark 16, verses 15 and 16, Jesus told his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized, will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. That is so simple to understand. It takes about four years in a seminary to misunderstand that. I'm sure if Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will receive a million dollars in a year but he who does not believe will be condemned. I believe every one of us would understand that. And yet so many people want to leave out baptism. Please turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Here the apostles began speaking the truth which had been revealed to them by the Holy Spirit and by Jesus Christ himself. This is the first time God's plan of salvation was ever revealed to mankind. The people who heard the apostles preached ask in verse 37, Men and brethren, what shall we do? There is not a more important question in all the world than that. James says in James 1 and verse 21, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Again, it's the word of God that's able to save us. And so they're asking the inspired apostles, what must we do? We're guilty of sin, what must we do? Notice the inspired answer, beginning in verse 38. Peter said to them, repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children, to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved. One translation says, Save yourselves from this crooked or this perverse generation. For years, 
I could read this passage to people and they would be convinced immediately. If I want to be saved, I need to repent and be baptized. Recently, denominational preachers have come up with the idea. They say, well, you got to know the Greeks. You got to understand the Greek language. And without, if you don't understand the Greek language, you can't understand what Peter is saying. In the Greek language, repent is, is plural. But be baptized is singular. And so you don't have to be baptized. You just have to repent. Well, how do they understand it? Repent. He's talking to all of them. And let every one of you, singular, be baptized for the remission of sins. Again, I think if Peter had said, Repent and let every one of you be baptized for remission of sins, and in a, a year from now you will receive a million dollars. I don't think anyone would misunderstand that. I think everyone would get it. But what do they, how do they see it? Notice the next verse. Verse 41. Then those who gladly received his word, did what? Were baptized. That day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Who were the 3,000? The ones who gladly received the word of God. They gladly received the truth. What did they do? They were baptized. What happened to them? They were added. To what were they added? Look down at verse 47. The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Why were they baptized? To be saved. When they were baptized, what did God do? He added them to the church. Now then, what is the church? The Greek word for church is ekklesia. Literally, this compound word means a calling out of. And so the church is composed of people who have been called out of the world and placed in fellowship with God. God calls us, incidentally, by the gospel. 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 14. That's how God calls us, by his word. That's why Jesus said, go preach the gospel to every creature. The church is a people who have been called out of the world and set apart or sanctified as God's people. When we obey the truth, we're set apart as God's people. Jesus said, you shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free, John 8, verse 32. Peter said, you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. And in that process, he says, you have been born again by the word of God. Those who obey the truth are obeying the gospel they're obeying God's word. They're obeying the truth. And they are the special people of God. Paul said in Titus 2 and verse 14 that Christ gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. And Peter said in 1 Peter 2 and verse 9, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, 
his own special people that listen, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What are we to do? Proclaim the praises of him. We're to be the pillar and ground of the truth. What is it that sets the church apart from everyone else? Again, Jesus answers that in his prayer to God in Acts 17. In verse 17, we've read already. Sanctify them, set them apart, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. The thing that sets God's people apart, the Lord's church apart from all other people, is that the church obeys the truth. God's word. There are a lot of people who claim to obey the truth. But actually, they're obeying the ideas and the commands of men rather than the word of God. That's why there are so many denominations in the world today. Jesus came, he established his church with the truth. People preached and practiced the truth for hundreds of years. Eventually, hundreds of years after the church was established, people became dissatisfied with just the word of God. And they began to make changes. And they had different people from all around the, the world come together in councils, and they would discuss things, and they would decide this is what we're going to believe. This is what we're going to, to teach. This is how we're going to be organized. And this is the way we're going to do things. And so they were no longer the church built and purchased by Jesus Christ. Jesus was no longer their head. They claimed to be the church, but they were not obeying just what Jesus said. They were obeying the men of that council. And so there was another religious group other than the church that Jesus established. Well, after a while, there were others that, that decided what their teaching is not what the Bible says. We're not going to accept what that council has told us we need to do. And so they rejected some of those things, but they kept part of them, and they added some things, and so now there's another religious group it's not based simply on what the, the Bible says, but it's what the Bible says minus some things plus some other things. And as time went on, there were more and more groups doing exactly the same thing. There were things they would reject, things they would accept, and more and more different religious groups came about till now there are thousands of them. Jesus had warned way back in Mark 7, verses 7 and 8, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men. And then down in verse 13 of Mark 7, he said, they're making the word of God of no effect. So if I'm teaching things that are not found in God's word, 
Jesus says, my religion is in vain. It's useless. I'm making God's word of no effect. What it is the effect of God's word? It's what saves us. If I have altered God's word, it's no longer the truth, and it's not going to save anyone. People are surprised to learn that the church of Christ is not a denomination. We do not believe in denominationalism. People think, oh, you have your ideas and your doctrines and just like everybody else. That's not true. We realize that we do not have a right to our opinion. We don't have a right to change what God's word says. And we are willing to give up our ideas and to simply accept what the Bible says, nothing more and nothing less. If we're going to be the church of Christ, then we must be the pillar and ground of the truth. We must be the support, the foundation of the truth. Jude says in Jude verse 3, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. We must contend earnestly for that faith. That means we cannot compromise the truth. Listen to Paul's warning in Galatians 1, verses 8 and 9. He says, But even if we were an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we preach to you. Let him be accursed. As we said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Brethren, we cannot compromise the truth in any way. Listen to John's warning. In 2 John verses 9 through 11. He said, whoever transgresses, that means to go beyond, whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ is both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. For he who greets him must share in his evil deeds. Please turn your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. We must understand that partial truth is not truth. It will not save anyone. In 1 Timothy 4 verse 1, Paul says, Now the Spirit expressly says, that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Now they turn to chapter or 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will turn away their ears from the truth and be turned aside to fables. 
It's happened and it continues to happen. Men will not accept sound doctrine. They will not accept the pure word of God. So many religious groups claim to follow the Bible. They claim that Jesus is their Lord, that they'll do what he says, but they're deceiving themselves. Let me give you some examples. While 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 34 says that women are to keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak. And Titus 2 and verse 12 says, women are not to have authority over a man. Many religious groups have women getting up before the congregation of men and women and teaching them. They have women getting up and leading singing. They have women getting up and leading prayers. People say, oh, preacher, you just don't believe in women's rights. Oh, yes, I do. But I believe in that God is right. Jesus did more to help women than any other person who's ever lived. But God's word says women are to be silent in the church. Women are not to have authority over a man. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Are you? Are you ashamed to tell people that's not right? That's not what God's word says? Religious groups will have women serving as so-called pastors. While the Bible says a pastor must be the husband of one wife, among other qualifications, 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, and Titus 1, 6 through 9. A lot of religious groups accept same-sex marriages, while the Bible teaches that a marriage is between a man and a woman. Many accept divorce for practically any reason. While Jesus taught that a person who divorces for any reason other than sexual immorality is committing adultery, Matthew 19 and verse 9. In John 4 and verse 24, Jesus says God is spirit, and those who worship must worship in spirit and truth. If we worship God in truth, we do what the Bible says, nothing more and nothing less. How can anyone who uses instrumental music in worship, claim to worship God in truth. When God's word does not say a single word about worshiping him in the church with instruments, we're not to add to or take away from God's word. Why would you do that? Why would you add instruments? People say, oh, I can sing better. I can make melody better by doing that. What does God say? God doesn't care whether you can carry a tune or not. God says you make melody in your heart. Ephesians 5 and verse 19. That's where the melody is to be made. How can people claim that Jesus is their head when they don't have men who are qualified to serve as pastors or elders? One of the qualifications of an elder is given in Titus 1 and verse 9 holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. That's why we're to have elders, to make sure that what we're taught is the word of God, nothing else. To be the church of God, to be the church of Christ, we must hold fast the faithful word, we must be the pillar and the support, the ground of the truth. 
Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 16, take heed to yourselves and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. It's only the word of God that can save. Paul said in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2, the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Why to faithful men? What will they be faithful to? Faithful to the truth. As Christians, we have the awesome responsibility of bringing to people the faithful word of God. In 1 Corinthians 4, verses 1 and 2, Paul says, Let a man consider us as servants of Jesus Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. God has placed his word within our hands. We must be faithful not to change it. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 13 says, Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you've heard from me in faith and love which in Christ Jesus. Brethren, if we do not teach the truth, who will? I know I'm going a little bit long, but this is very important. Not only must we teach the truth, but brethren, if we're the pillar and ground of the truth, we must practice the truth. In Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Our lives are to show people the way God wants us to live. God is calling upon us to be the foundation of the truth. Just like Jesus, we must not only teach, we must do and teach. Luke wrote in Acts 1 and verse 1, the former account I made, hopefully the office of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. He didn't say one thing and practice another. He lived it. He demonstrated it. In Matthew 23, verses 1 through 3, Jesus told the multitudes and his disciples, do not imitate the scribes and the Pharisees, because they say and do not do. The religious leaders of Jesus' day were hypocrites. They would say one thing and do another. We must be different. We must set the right example for the people around us. In Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it on a, under a basket, but on a lampstand. It gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The darker this world gets, the brighter our light should be in contrast to that darkness. Paul says in Philippians 2, verses 14 and 15, Do all things without murmuring and disputing, that you may be blameless and harmless, children of God without fault, 
in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. God's plan is, to, is for us to have a good, positive influence that will help lead people to the Lord. We are to be the pillar and ground of the truth. But whether we do right or wrong, we are setting some kind of example. Moses said in Numbers 32 and verse 23, be sure your sin will find you out. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 14, God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether they are good or whether it is evil. Jesus said in Luke 12, verses 2 and 3, For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light. Whatever you have spoken in the inner ear in the inner ear in the inner room will be proclaimed from the housetops. As children of God, we must be concerned about everything we do, everything we say, everything we fail to do, and everything we fail to say. Because it is a reflection upon Jesus Christ. We must be the pillar and ground of the truth. God holds you and me accountable. You and I are responsible for being the pillar and the ground of the truth. Are you doing your part as the pillar and ground of the truth? Are you teaching and demonstrating to others what God would have them to do? Maybe you need help in doing that. We would love to pray with you and for you to help you do that. Maybe you're ready to become a child of God, to be added by him to his church. If so, please contact us. Let us know. If you need further study, we would be more than happy to sit down at your convenience and study with you. If you're in this audience, this building this morning, and you're ready to become a Christian, we want to help you right now. If you need prayers, we want to help you with that. Whatever you need, please come while we stand and as we sing.